Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. This week on the podcast, Nate is getting adjusted to the empty nest while Michael is meeting the Rattlers, and we decide to take on the lighthearted topic of suffering love. So sit back and relax, and we hope you'll enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey Michael, how are you doing this week? I'm doing all right, Nate. How are you doing? I am doing okay. I am in the empty nest, and it's been good but weird a little bit. So I dropped off Tyler on Friday at Southern Nazarene University. It's a time to begin. Yeah, they still play that commercial, by the way. I think maybe it's time for a new one. (laughs) But um, Yeah, so I dropped him off there, and the same night, my oldest, who is a sophomore at SNU this year, got engaged. So not only did I lose oh my, my youngest to college, but my oldest <laughs> is now engaged to be married next summer. And so this was the last summer he lived at my house. So there's a lot lot going on in the cookhouse as far as like life change. Um, I did want to mention while I was at New Student Institute at Southern Nazarene University that I had three people come up to me and talk to me about pontificating pastors. So the word is getting out. This is the hottest show at NSI, guaranteed. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it is. All of those. Uh, once income- you get that small. The Nazarene church is kind of small, like a big family. So maybe, oh, yeah. maybe that's not saying a lot, but it, it made me feel good. I'm. I told my boys, I'm being recognized now, guys. Y'all need to just be careful. <laughs> Starting to get recognized for pontificating so, uh, pastors. If somebody comes walking across campus with their finger shaking at you, saying your dad is a heretic, <laughs> that's, that's and that's that fun. might just happen. Oh man. <laughs> So, uh, what is oh, going goodness. on today in the pig hacienda? Um, well, all three kids are at the house at the moment. Um, but we hey, have, enjoy we have it while practice. you've got it, man. Yeah, we've got football practice. We've got uh, um, we've got meet the rattlers because meet the rattlers. Yeah, we get the meet meet the rattlers. Coming we have uh, and we have cheer practice, so we're 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 busy. We're coming and going all day long, and Shelly has already gone back to work at the school. So we have rattlesnake roundups up here in Oklahoma too. Is that what that is? <laughs> no, now, this is rattler uh, the mascot, not oh, rattler okay. the snake. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, your daughter is like head cheerleader or something, isn't she? Like super she popular. She is. She's the head cheerleader, and she gets. Uh, she gets, you know, to, I don't know, hand she, out demerits, I guess. I'm she probably sure. helps meet Rattlers, doesn't she? She's probably a big, she big part of that. She has to suit up, and her brother's going to be suited up, and they're all we're all going to go out to the stadium and, you know, meet the Rattlers. It's gonna That's be a, fun times, man. Interesting time. 
I think we're going to go watch some football games this year. But the good thing is when you don't have kids still there, you get to pick which ones you want to go to. So you just go to the competitive ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you just go to the ones that are going to be um, exciting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. We're going to go to all of them this year. We're going to go to all the JV games and all of the varsity games. So. Yeah, I remember those days. And uh, it fun. seemed really hectic at the time. But like I said, uh, my calendar suddenly got a lot more empty. Um, sure. Sure. So, yeah, it's it's kind of good, though. My wife and I are enjoying being together. We still like each other a little bit. So that's that's good. <laughs> that is good. I, I'm hoping Chef and I will like each other by the time the kid. Yeah. Works. So we're kind of excited. It's about looking promising. Kind of yeah. some some new things. We're going out on a date on Friday. We've had a gift card our church gave us seems like a year ago now and we haven't ever used it because we've been so busy. So we're going out uh, to a place that has a little rooftop with the lights and everything. So it's going to be a nice night out tomorrow night. Well, today we, uh, we were talking about maybe getting into a little bit of heavy stuff, but about the idea of suffering love, you would mention maybe we should talk a little bit about suffering and its relationship to love. So I'm going to let you jump in there. Oh, goodness. Well, um, yeah, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, how how does suffering work and why what, why do we suffer? And um, I was just thinking, I'm in the middle of a series called uh, The Bible Doesn't Say That. And uh, uh, there are several passages where Jesus deals with this idea that, um, you know, the disciples are asking him, well, who sinned, him or his parents? Yeah. Uh, you know, um, and last week I talked, uh, you know, uh, just in the in the message, in the context of the message, uh, we talked about uh, Jesus telling us to take up our cross and follow him. And um, and, I, you know, I just hear a lot of times uh, people kind of misunderstanding, suffering and, and oftentimes with with this line about the cross. And so we misunderstand what, what the cross is all about, because we say, uh, you know, you look at that that guy in that situation and he's. He's facing something, uh, you know, like a, like cancer, and somebody will say, "Well, that's his cross to bear." And I always think, "Well, I don't know that that cancer is a cause, uh, you know, uh, a redemptive cause." And right. I think the cross yeah. tends to be needs. If we're going to say, "Well, take up your cross and follow me," then we're going to take up some redemptive action, it, and it may bring about suffering in our life. And so then you begin to ask questions about, "Well, how does?" How does suffering bring about redemption, and how did Christ's suffering bring about redemption? So that's just that's what I was thinking on this week. Yeah, and and as you say that, I'm thinking about the idea that that much of what even has been termed Christianity in North America actually um, can sometimes look a little more like the American dream, in that we are always trying to avoid the suffering. Uh, sure, and, and that we're. <laughs> We're trying to define ourselves in ways that are, you know, things like happiness, um, which, you know, happiness is circumstantial. So if everything's going well, um, if, you know, if if things are falling my way, then I'm happy. And a lot of uh, even what what some people would term Christianity kind of wants to deal in that, that, that you can somehow be happy and that God will take away all your suffering um, maybe give you your best life now, uh, something like that. 
Right. Right. <laughs> so, the, um, yeah, that, that's kind of, um, the cross or the empty tomb doesn't mean much if there's not darkness and death before it. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't celebrate the resurrection. You said you were taking a class at SNU about, uh, resurrection, but we, you know, actually at NTS, but oh, yeah. NTS, sorry, not at SNU. Um, Dr. Andy Johnson is teaching us about resurrection in the New Testament, and I'm just stoked about it. One of my assignments <laughs> is to preach on resurrection. So, Oh, that's cool. Can't I, wait I for that. I, I get excited about resurrection. When we say the Apostles' Creed and we say on the third day he rose again from the dead, woo! That's part of the liturgy in our church. You have that's to, one of the things yeah. I remember about you is <laughs> that woo. Well, yeah. You, you must have, have the strength of woo. Have you ever taken the strength finder test? <laughs> I have taken the strength finder. Do you have and, woo? And woo? Woo is down on my list. It's uh, not high on my, my list. My wife has woo. I'm not. She wooed me. She's yeah. Very oh, good yeah. at it. <laughs> <laughs> but that, no, I right? always remember she we wooed, would. Yeah. She wooed you, huh? Yeah. Uh, she had it might have been you. the other way around. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, feel I like remember. I'm still trying to woo Shelly. Yeah. You, you like me, remember, babe? <laughs> You like me, don't yeah. forget. Oh, I'm just, I'm just. My thing is just make sure she doesn't ever realize how much of an idiot I really am. <laughs> like, yes. I, the longer I live with her, it's been hard to hide. I mean, at some point, she just <laughs> decided to stay with me anyway. Yeah. No, but right I on. do remember quoting the Apostles' Creed at these big gatherings at West Texas with a, a hundreds of teenagers, and just like I remember. Uh, we had all kind of fallen into your way of saying woo. When I do it at my church, it, it kind of goes over like a lead balloon, to be honest. People look at me like, what is wrong with you? Because I'm not naturally the kind you? of person who's a woo, you know? No, I'm a wooer, man. If we sing a line in a song. Oh, I know. And especially a sign about resurrection. Like if if you sing a line in, in a song that says Jesus rose from the dead, uh, I go, woo! I just, it, yeah, it's, it's just, just kind of a natural response for me because if we talk about resurrection, you know, I mean, Paul said, you know, that's what it was about. Like, why are we bothering? Right. If there's no yeah. resurrection, then what, what are we talking about here? Because he's just a dead guy. Yeah. Well, and if you study Acts, I mean, the, the message they preach is that Christ is the Messiah and that God has raised him from the dead. I mean, it's a simple message. If yeah. God hasn't <laughs> raised him from the dead. But what you're saying now is, Without the suffering, you don't ever get the woo. Yeah, if you don't, it, without that, em, the empty tomb means nothing if, if, if there wasn't some suffering to go along with it. Because, uh, you know, that Holy Saturday of emptiness during the Easter season, during Holy Week, you know, Good Friday, that, that sadness that we feel, the, the, the desperation, like our hope is gone, you know, uh, like, oh no, God showed up and we hung him on a cross. Like that realization is so important to understanding uh, how valuable the trump, you know, God lays the trump card uh, right. uh, of, of resurrection, you know, the ace of spades, boom, there it is. Uh, and, and it's our promise that, uh, that if we, if we lay it out on the line, if we suffer, if we give it all, if we, if we take the Lord's name and we don't take it in vain, we take it for real and we love him with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And we love our neighbor as ourselves, and we die trying to make a difference, a redemptive difference in the world. And we, and we face that suffering that he's going to trumpet with resurrection. Right. Yeah. Our, yeah. Our death gets trumped with resurrection. The problem is, is that sometimes we, we have a tendency to just go in the other direction completely. And it's just like all suffering all the time. Like you were talking about happiness just a minute ago. Yeah. Um, 
and we treat happiness like there's something wrong with it. I, I want to be happy. Right. You know, uh, Paul talks about contentment. I think contentment is about being happy even when you're suffering. Right. Because yeah. he says, you know, I've learned how Definitely. to live with plenty. I've learned how to live with nothing. You know, and here's a guy who's been stoned and drugged to the edge of town and left for dead several times, you know, saying, I've learned how, you know, I th-. but then he says in that letter uh, to the Philippians, I guess, um, and he says, uh, I, uh, Thank you for remembering me, you know, because it's like right. you just got a care package after a long dry spell. Yeah. Oh, thank you for remembering me. I didn't really, you know, I don't have to have all this stuff. I know it's a luxury and I don't want to, I don't want to take it for granted. I want to take it in, in, you know, and pretend like uh, I needed this, but, uh, cause I didn't need it, but I needed it cause <laughs> my soul yeah. was weary and I needed to know my friends still loved me and cared about me. Well, so thank you for that. You know, one of the it, most Interesting. Sorry, I cut you off. No, that's Go fine. On. No, that's good. I was just going to say one of the most interesting things about Philippians is that it's written in prison and it has the word joy in it more than maybe any other book that Paul uh, penned. So there's there is a sense in which in the midst of suffering there is joy, which is deeper than happiness because we we rest in the one whom we have given our lives for, who does bring about that. Um, resurrection, that redemption, the, the suffering isn't for suffering's sake, which I think is what you were getting at, where people just want to always become the martyr and like oh, yeah. suffer, suffer, suffer. The suffering is ultimately uh, redemptive. And uh, I think, you know, that's that's what we find in, in the words of Jesus when he keep he says things like, you know, if you want to find your life, you lose it. Yeah. And that's where the, first, it the flips upside down. You think suffering is going to be the end of you, and then you find out that in in living in the midst of suffering, that you find God there. Sure, I had this friend, and his name his name was Eddie, and Eddie was working for uh, a group that rebuilt homes, um, the Fuller Center Disaster Rebuilders, is what it's called, uh, and uh, it's the named as Fuller after the man who started Habitat for Humanity. Uh, okay, and, and after kind of the the government took over Habitat for Humanity. Mr. Fuller got kind of frustrated with it and said, no, I'm not taking government funds anymore because they put too many stipulations on it. So he started the Fuller Imagine Center. Imagine that. Yeah, <laughs> he started the Fuller Center, and um, and and they, they build houses for people, and they build tons more houses than anybody ever knows about because it's not a government project, so it doesn't get the – you know, it doesn't get the recognition. The publicity. Yeah, the publicity that it should. And um, and he won't take money from the government agencies or people who draw who put strings on it. So most of the time he just gets the money from churches and charitable organizations that are just like string-free, go build houses for people. And so they had this wing called the, the Disaster Rebuilders, and they worked in Orange uh, after uh, some of the hurricanes there. And they were rebuilding, basically rebuilding Bridge City because Bridge City had like, you know, 14 houses that didn't get hit by the storm. Wow. Um, in, third, in the big surge that came in, uh, in Ike. And, um, so they're there and he, and this was his thing. He would gather up the groups at the end of the night and he would say to them, he'd say, did anybody see the face of God today? Like in the midst of all this mess and this carnage and this destruction, did anybody see the face of God? Right, and people yeah. would just start, you know, they would, with tears in their eyes, would say, "I saw the face of God in that homeowner who was just resilient, and they stood up strong, and they were coming, they were coming, and they were working alongside us, and they were so grateful. And somehow, in the midst of this suffering, they had great joy, and it just inspired me, and it blessed me, and 
And Eddie had this phrase he would always say, and I remember it all the time because it just spoke to me so greatly. He would say, um, I want the, what people think is the worst thing that ever happened to them to turn out. I want them at the end of the project to say, we thought this was the worst thing that ever happened to us, but it turns out this is the best thing that's ever happened to us. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, and what he meant by that, you know, they were going to meet friends. They were going to see that people cared. They were going to see that God had not forsaken them, that the church had rushed to their to their side, that their neighbors had rushed to their side, that 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 when they were at their greatest need, that they were not alone. And uh, so, man, Eddie just he, you know he and he would get so excited because he would come back to me and he'd go, "It happened," and I say, "What happened?" He'd say, "One of the homeowners said it today. One of the homeowners told me what I thought was the worst thing that had ever happened and turned out to be the best." Yeah, I think uh, you and know. Talk about the salvation that happened. Yeah, I'm sorry you were cutting out a little bit, but I think you oh, said sorry. that we talk about the salvation that was happening there. Um, yeah. you know our story, and for those listening to the podcast, some of them may not know our story, but um, 2015, our church was burned um, down to the studs by a young man in our community, and it, as a pastor, was the most difficult physical thing I'd ever been through as far as like dealing with loss. And so we went through a, a phase in our church where we didn't actually have a building to worship in. Um, we had to try to keep each other together through social media, through email. Um, we met two different places, Sunday and Wednesday. We rebuilt our church in about 18 months. We had to pretty much gut the entire thing um, from start to finish. And Yet in the end of it, uh, we look back and we see ways that God provided for us. I mean, God provided, uh, we experienced God through the face of a, a non-denominational church right across the street yeah. who opened their doors to us and loved us in, in great ways. We had people from all over sending us like money and gifts and uh, Bethany First Church, they opened their doors up to us to their children's supplies and like filled up these shelves that they they basically resupplied, restocked our whole children's department. So we were able to see the face of God, but generally it was through the people of God, which is is a pretty amazing thing since we're supposed to be the visible presence of God in the world. And, uh, and so I, I can attest to the fact that sometimes uh, the darkest moments uh, also are moments where we see God in, in ways that we couldn't have seen God before. Yeah, well, I remember two things. I walked through the building right after it burned, and um, I remember that uh, that there was this cross hanging on the wall, and um, and the smoke had, you know, just the parts of the wall that weren't completely burned. There were pieces of sheetrock, and there were big chunks that were still left, and um, but they were all smoke uh, covered in soot. Right. And uh, so the whole thing was gray and black. And, uh, and I remember there was this one cross hanging on the wall and I moved the cross and it left, it had just the, right. Yeah. The image of the cross was still on the wall, uh, where there was no soot hadn't been able to penetrate because the cross was there. And, um, and I remember just that, what a powerful moment that was when I was walking through just thinking, Oh Lord, may that be true for this church that your that, that your cross uh, and your suffering and the redemption that we find in you 
that they this church would be able to through this suffering and through this moment that they would be able to to stand back up in in joy and rejoicing and trusting and faith and hope and love and 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 discover the redemption that can come uh, through this and 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 then there was another scene where you guys took all the broken glass and made this mosaic out of it yeah and it was just this such a powerful image and I remember seeing it online I called you that day and I'm like that was the coolest thing ever. yeah because and it was, it was just yeah, Two of our youth, it was their idea. It was a couple of teenagers. Uh, one of them was my son, but they just they wanted to uh, find a way to take the broken and, and make it something beautiful. So they dyed all these pieces of glass, different colors, and we made a mosaic. I still, We still have it. Uh, the thing we used to display it on kind of got beat up, so we're, we haven't displayed it the last uh, little while. But uh, we... we we keep that as a reminder of what is uh, what God has done through the brokenness. So I wanted to get in also to we talked about maybe the idea that that love always involves suffering. So I was preaching not too long ago and uh, I made this statement. I still think it's true. Sometimes you go back after you preach things and you're like, I don't know if, I don't know if I said that the way I wanted to say that or that <laughs> oh, really every Sunday. Every yeah. Sunday. So, um, but, but I said, um, when talking about suffering love, I said, is there really any other kind? And what I meant by that was the idea that, in any relationship, in order to love someone, you have to give something of yourself away. Uh, sure. You have to give up, even if it's something like time or money or resources. Uh, you may not think of that as suffering, but there is something that you're giving something of yourself away in order that the other person can receive the love. The other thing I think we talked about was opening yourself up sure. to be hurt. Uh, you have to give away that that security. Yeah. Because you Your can't love someone unless exposed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just wonder what you thought about that, and, and kind of get into. Well, I a think bit it's. Of... I think it's interesting. I think when you say "I forgive you" to someone, or they say it to you, um, that 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 being an act of love and an act of redemption at the same time, um, that what's happening there is they're saying you're saying to someone, you you have hurt me, and I'm giving you the opportunity to do it again. Right. Yeah. Risk forgiveness. Yeah. I'm not like signing up like a, like a flagellant, you know, like I'm not like, like coming for suffering. I'm not coming to get beat up. I'm not coming to, to, you know, hurt, you know, uh, just unnecessarily, you know, cause I don't want to suggest at all that, that if somebody hurts you, that some, that forgiveness means you have to submit yourself for them to hurt you in the exact same way. You know, you don't have to, you know, somebody set fire to your house. You don't have to invite them over. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, do it again. if but, someone's abusing you, you, there's got to be boundary yeah. there. Sure. And you can create and in wisdom. You'll do that. And, and that's good stewardship of your body and your and your mind and, and your family and those sort of things. And so um, but I think that that love does say, you know what? I know that some people might not think this is very wise of me, um, but uh but I'm going to give you a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance. And, 
you know, that, and that's yeah. what love does. And I think that's what God does for us. How many times have we, have we hurt God, you know, and some, that might even offend some people. Cause it'd be like, you can't hurt God because God knows what's going to happen. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah. He when he, he was on the cross. Willing, <laughs> yeah. He seems to be willing to let us hurt him over yeah. and over and over. Disobedience in your children hurts your feelings as a parent. It yeah, makes you feel it stings. It, yeah, it makes you feel bad. It doesn't it doesn't feel good for sure. Whether whether or not you know, sometimes I've noticed in my in my parenting that sometimes when my kids hurt me, uh, they hurt me because and I'm disciplining them because I'm embarrassed by what they've done. Yeah, and, you know, which I, is probably not the best motivation for yeah, parenting. I don't, I don't think we hurt God in that way, but I know exactly no. what you're talking about. Yeah. It's your ego that's on the line. More yeah, than... it's my ego. And I don't think God's ego is on the line, but I think he cares so much about us that he doesn't want to see us hurt. And so when we make a decision that's going to hurt us, that's going to get us in, in a bind, uh, that, you know, that hurts God. Because It'd be more us. like when your kid does something that hurts themselves, mm-hmm. like maybe, you know, going to jail or, 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 you know, getting a DUI or something, you know, just something that you know is like it's going to hurt them, then you hurt, even though you didn't have anything to do with it necessarily. Yeah. I think hurt, we call that, I, th- I think we call it grace. Yeah. When God, when God submits himself to suffer at our hands, um, we yeah. call it great. We call that grace. Yeah. And once again, Jesus on the cross is the picture of that. I mean, yeah, yeah. if you don't think God's hurts for us from time to time, then, you haven't seen the passion of the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no life. So, and I laugh. I laugh because I don't know what to. That's such. Yeah, a you don't stuff. know what to do. You don't, don't know, know whether to, to laugh or that's cry. A, that's a nervous laugh, not a hysterical laugh. It's yeah, a, you know. I do that a lot on our podcast. I realized last week there was somewhere where I was laughing where I thought somebody might not think that's appropriate for you to laugh at that. Yeah, I, but, I, it's my nervous laugh because when you're talking about a difficult thing and you, and you laugh, it's it's kind of a coping mechanism. Yeah. You know? and, and, I have and sarcasm and laughter. Yeah. Those yeah. Are my two. <laughs> that's what I have to work with. I'm sorry. If I'm I smart off, it's probably because yeah. it's getting too close to home. <laughs> no, that's too true. I think that's true for all of us. And and. And sometimes it's the way we ward off suffering, or at least we maybe it's the way that we cope with it, yeah, uh, and the suffering that is there, and you know because we don't always know what to do with it, and and I don't think we want to eradicate it completely. This this older gentleman, he's seventy two years old, and he passed away, and um, and he was a servant to all. He was always serving somebody, and um, and this lady told me she said that. I can't believe that, you know, where were his kids? Where were his neighbors? Where were the people who should have been helping him? Because he, 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 he killed over as it were, um, while shoveling snow off of the handicap ramp. Oh, wow. Um, um, and, um, and somebody was like, somebody else should have been doing that. Where were the people who were, who could have been doing that? And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't take that away from him. He died shoveling snow off a handicap ramp because that's who he was. Right. Yeah. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't have wanted to die any other way, you know? Yeah. He wasn't the kind of guy I just want to go in my sleep. No, he wanted to go doing service to others. He wanted to be working when it happened, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but he, I just remember he was, uh, you, you, you can't take, 
you can't take that away from people. You can't say that that when when we're suffering redemptively, that it's not part of our human experience. Because I think we want to. We all want purpose. We all want meaning, and I think we find it in the suffering that we sign up for. I don't know that we necessarily get to choose our cross. Like, I don't think we're supposed to choose our cross because if I chose my cross, you know, it would be something luxurious. Um, <laughs> and I, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a cross. It would be. I was gonna know, say. I don't think be, they make padded like Lazy yeah. Boy crosses. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> right. You, just didn't say take up your Cadillac. And follow that's me. right. And understanding what that cross is, I think we have to find that in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, we yeah. have to find that in 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 the presence of God. We discover what cross it is that we're supposed to take up. But, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think that when we talk about. Um, suffering love uh like i said there's definitely a pattern that's developed um by jesus and then followed by the early church that love looks like a cross looks cruciform looks yeah, like laying down your life. life yeah it looks like being broken and spilled out and so suffering becomes part of that but it's not a suffering that brings uh, despair it's a suffering that brings joy and peace yeah. and hope sure and all the things that Christ gives us because we when we uh, participate in his death we're participating in his life and uh, and that's ultimately what we feast on is the life of God sure so, sure yeah. there's been a lot of authors spend a lot of time on cruciform life lately you know yeah, it's um, a buzzword Greg a Boyd bit. and Leonard Sweet and uh, you know, uh, N.T. Wright and Richard Rohr. I mean, everybody, everybody seems to be talking about the cruciform life for about the last five to 10 years now. And uh, it's just, it's an, it's an important thing to talk about. Yeah. And I think it's because we realize that there is no love without the laying down of one's life. So um, yeah, good stuff today, man. Hey, I, uh, I was just thinking ahead and thinking about what I'm preaching this week on Psalm 23. And uh, Psalm 23 for me has kind of become a mantra, uh, especially that middle part, for you are with me. So uh, (laughs) I'm excited to preach that this week. What do you guys have going on down at Wayfinders? Um, We have a a prayer emphasis right now, 21 days of prayer and scripture to lead us in that. That's a good thing to emphasize. Yeah, we started out with rest. Uh, then we talked this week. We're talking about listening, and and then next week is about mission, um, and how we have to rest in God so that we can listen, so that we can be on mission. And, yeah, uh, and so we're we're focusing on that. And uh, but that's kind of a separate emphasis from the right. sermon series. The sermon series is what what the Bible doesn't say, or or yeah, that's Bible, right. the Bible doesn't say that. And so this week I'm talking from. Uh, I'm talking from James, and we're talking about how uh, sin, the nature of uh, sin, and uh, how uh, the Bible doesn't tell us that uh, you know certain things about sin. And oh so yeah, it, I don't want to get all into it because I, yeah. I don't need to preach a sermon right now. But, you know, that, I'd appreciate that. I have trouble <laughs> staying awake during my own sermons. So um, back to the prayer emphasis. I am taking another class on prayer and scripture. Oh, and one of my assignments is to log an hour of prayer a day. Um, and so it's something I've been trying to do um, more anyway, mm-hmm. but I think we can always learn in prayer. Uh, one of the things I've read said, so we are always beginners 
I think that might be Thomas Merton, but I might be misquoting oh, there. Oh, that sounds like a Merton quote. Yeah, so yeah. we're always beginners in prayer. And if you think you're not a beginner, then you might want to back up a step. <laughs> sure, sure. Because to say that one has arrived is to assume that others have not. Yeah. And then you, then you just take on a whole level you of just, judgment and arrogance that just isn't safe. Got rid of the humility that you need to actually pray. So <laughs> To actually pray. Yes. Hey, well, yeah, I hope you, you have a, a great week and uh, round up some rattlers this weekend. And we All love right, you man. guys. And we'll see you next week. All right. Enjoy your empty nest. I hope you get to see your boys soon. Yeah, we'll, we'll see them uh, in about a week. I think we're having a, a group come over that of scholars that are all related to us. They're all family. So they oh, should cool. be in that group. I think they're related to me. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> all right. We'll Take see care. you. All right, bye. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.